everyone. Welcome to Take a Fashion Seat. Tonight we are on book series number seven, episode 18. African fashion, luxury, craft, and textile heritage. I really enjoyed the book because it spoke volumes about African fashion and how they are made, created, and worn. The book had three chapters. Chapter one was African fashion history. Chapter two was the new Africa. And chapter three was new wave of African talent. It was forwarded by saying, when I was drawn to fashion, I was first seduced by our indigenous fabrics. It felt to me like a strange arrangement had been made among everyone else on earth to play down, to overlook what I could see was patently woven magic. And so this is Ken speaking, who was the author, Ken Nemo. So he, he did the foreword. And then the introduction says, the universal appeal of fashion is evident and the speed by which the latest styles and trends permeate global markets. Until the late 20th century, Africa was confined to the periphery of global fashion economy, benefiting marginally as a source of raw material and as the terminal market for finished goods. But now, as you can see, it's, it has changed. And it went a little deeper, yet despite the endemic challenges, African fashion has thrived, propelled by vibrant indigenous production and distribution networks. It has weathered decades of subjugation and exploitation to produce some of the world's greatest designers. So it, that's how the book started. And it went into the African fashion history where it talked about fashion is a social phenomenon that has captivated people throughout the world, throughout the history. Defined loosely, it is the distinctive sartorial style and adornment of people from diverse cultures and social classes. And because Africa is made of 52 countries, can you just imagine all that beautiful fabric and fashion floating all around in the different countries. It has to be a sight to see. The book went into the culture, of course, and it talked about dress continues to be a focal point of festivals and rites of passage in many cultures. Among the Nangi of Zambia, the paramount chief wears a lion's skin during the Nkwala ceremony to celebrate the gift of first fruits. His warrior appear is an array of leopard, cheetah, and antelope skins, either draped across the chest or hung around the waist. So that's part of like ceremony, uh, cultural thing. And then there's the colonialism, you know, where they wore some of the different um, outfits like I described with the, um, with the last part about the culture. Then you get into, um, they got into students and teachers and how they dress for festivals and um, how the prints um, were made. The book talks about a globalization 
throughout the history of Africa's intensive interaction with foreign cultures, the impact of globalization has permeated the continent, in particular the textile and apparel industry. However, this impact became most pronounced in the 20th century, not just because of its integration of people and cultures throughout the travel, media, and technology, but also due to the rise of international trade. So, you know, you can get the t-shirts and the two-piece suits and the, it's, uh, the prints. It, it just evokes culture all over the place. Um, they showed uh, many of the pictures of the aesthetics of the fashion until the late 20th century when the first generation of ambitious African fashion designers took the couture world by storm. The curious and exotic aesthetics of Africa appeared sporadically in European fashion. So, you know, they did a lot of things by the Egypt, Muhammad Ali, the King Charles of France in 1827. So that's, you know, then they went into the textile history. A wide variety of indigenous textiles and clothing composed of cotton, raffia, silk, and wool has circulated widely in Africa from a long time ago. Africa's deep-rooted textile economy is expansive and diverse. So they talked about the woven story histories, the kente weaver. Um, I think we talked about the kuba cloth. I showed you a picture of it. The kente. I want to talk about the kente. So the masterfully woven kente cloth of the pre-colonial West African kingdom of Hishante is renowned globally. Its origin, its origin is shrouded in mystery. Archaeologists finding place hinge its origins to the strip weaving cultures of West Africa dating to the 11th century, and it is believed to have been shaped by access to raw materials, skilled artisans, and improved technology under the impetus of trade. So the kente is like one of my favorite because it's like it, that's when we think about Africa we think about the kente cloth there's the Asok Oki the Akofan Hama other distinctive weaving crafts weaving and textile crafts in Africa are as diverse and complex as the cultures of the continent making it nearly impossible to capture them all in one single volume so it's just so rich the history that we can't go into it. It would take a whole book to just go into the uh, weaving and the woven of the different textiles. It talked about the ganja cloth. And one of my favorites was reading about dyeing and printing. Dyeing as a specialist craft has been a key component of African textile traditions. Locally produced Imported textiles were dyed with a range of organic and vegetable dyes sourced from plants and barks of the trees. I thought that was amazing to use organic vegetable dyes from plants and bark, something very natural. That's what I love about the dyeing and the printing process. That to me was very impressive. They had mud cloth, also known as Bogolanfani, developed by the Mandi people of Mali. So it was very beautiful to watch them created like from their hands using ink and I mean I if they were meticulous the designs and the labor took them a long time because they took they put love into it so it was just so nice to see how they 
stamp the cloth and how they dyed the fabrics using embossed wooden stamps. And you gotta see it, you gotta see the pictures. It's so impressive. And then they did um, the decline and revival. Many of Africa's indigenous textile crafts have mourned in popularity since the colonial era. By the end of the 19th century, the kente weaving craft, along with other prolific weaving cultures, were in steep decline. But the frontier market for the industrialized and capitalist West African markets proved vital to the subsistence of European fledging clothing and textile industries, justifying the imposition of policies that undermined the textile economies to favor imports from the West. So things have improved now and things are getting back to normal with um, the textile. Then there's the beading, guys. Beading is deeply rooted in the history of Africa. Indeed, before the introduction of the imported glass beads, Various kinds of woven textiles, bark cloth, and hides were embellished with beads made from ostrich, eggshells, seeds, and marine shells in North Africa. And I, I was, I was really impressed reading about the different tribes and how they used the beading to create outfits for themselves among the elders and the children and the leaders of the different African tribes. So that was amazing, just learning about um, the old way. Um, I was kind of sad about the trade, like I said. I'm going to read a little bit about the trade, and then I'll move on. While the currency of trade and varied across regions, ethnic groups, and empires, it comprised primarily gold dust, brass, iron, copper, strips of cloth, and ivory. So that's, you know, they came from the merchants from Spain and other parts of Europe. So the trade was, you know, that was part of the trade, and then there was the slaves, etc. But, you know, that's all part of history of Africa. So I'm moving on to the new Africa. In the contents, Africa, Burgoyne's middle and upper class have fueled consumption along the spectrum of the retail economy, including luxury goods, iconic brands, um, Richmond, Estee Lauder, caring groups have established a direct presence in leading economies across the continent. So the new Africa is a must be a part of because they got the couture stuff going on. Barely re recovered from the trauma of World War II, the world witnessed the vivacity of fashion in the so-called golden age of couture. Christian Dior, Cristobal Balenciaga, Pierre Balmain, and many others um, have emerged um, right now. Um, the Cristobal Balenciaga is going through some stuff right now in fashion. I'm not going to talk about what's going on with that, but everybody knows what's going on there. And But this book talked about the couture and how the Africans um, have used their designs, um, I guess, in the past. Um, for the future, who knows? Because it's our evolving, fashion is evolving constantly. So you never know from each day what's gonna happen, the highs and the lows. So they went into 
Next, they talked about, uh, they showed different designs, the Kofi Anasha, the dresses that he made. Now, back in Ghana, this was in 1992, um, he set up an altar under the name Art Dress. Um, and an advocate of a textiles, he favored materials including the kente, which he sparingly used for pieces, wax print, um, he famed for his precision and exacting approach to couture. So his collections were shown in New York, London, Paris, Milan, and Rome. So you'll see his designs all over the place. There's Mariana Frazler, and her techniques are great because of her layering and beading, beadwork and embroidery. So that was really nice. Then they went into luxury. A rapidly expanding market for luxury goods in leading economies such as South Africa, Nigeria, Egypt, Morocco. They have prompted the brand, all types of brands. Um, there's hot spots like Hyde Park, Diamond Walk, and the Mall of Africa. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, they just was, they're giving, they were giving me all kinds of places to go and visit when I go there. They have Logos and Abiju. Um, notable retailers including the Temple Muse and Alora Legos. So I can't wait to go shopping there um, and visit some of the places I just mentioned. The African markets are just amazing. There are the potential of African combined markets for luxury goods estimated at 6.1 billion in 2020. Um, they work with global brands such as Dior, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Versace, Gianni, Giorgio Armani, uh, Chloe Burberry, Hermes, and Coach. There's many more. Um, but, you know, they mainly do retail with Nigeria, Kenya, Egypt, Rwanda, and Ghana. And many others. There's the e-commerce, which uh, is doing wonderful. And luxury e-retail e e platforms such as OwnCheck, Inchu, Folklore, uh, Africa are leveraging the power of e-commerce and storytelling. So you're going to see a lot of that in this book. And it says, while African luxury gains ground, the legacy of certain failures and inefficiencies in textile are happening. In 2018, LVMH divested in an interest in Udun, the first brand portfolio that was wholly produced in Africa. Suno, another promising brand that had a manufacturing footprint in Kenya, shuts its door. So, you know, this, it's successful in some ways and some of them are not. The global market forever, is forever changing, like I mentioned. And it develops. So I showed you a picture of uh, the beautiful Naomi Campbell who was there and graced the runway of a Reed's fashion show in Lagos in 2020. She looked amazing while she pranced and walked beautifully across the red carpet. African Fashion Weeks are similarly crucial for showcasing African fashion to the world. Under the South African businesswoman and philanthropist Dr. Precious Molo Mospi, African Fashion International, which is AFI, is dedicated to unearthing and showcasing the best of African luxury to South Africa and the world. So I'm really um, impressed with their all this upcoming things, and I want to join some of the organizations so I can keep up with 
what's going on in Africa in the fashion markets. So I was impressed when Press was looking at the different headdresses. Um, the main cast of Black Panther, a fictional Wakanda that held fashion and movie lovers around the world spellbound. Costume designer Ruth E. Carter, Ruth e. Carter won an Oscar for her work on the Black Panther. I could not believe what I just read. And, you know, the Black Panther provided some amazing clothes from Ruth E. Carter, who won an Oscar. Then they had a picture to the right. Um, the critically acclaimed Oscar awarder did the embroidery and brass figurines for Coming to America, the sequel to the 1988 coming comedy, Coming to America. And they showed, you know, the pictures of the African attire. Then there's the Lux, the Dysphora. I mentioned to you um, the luxury women's wear designer Laquan Smith. He showcased in 2021 during New York Fashion Week. Then you had the Pierre Moss, and you had creations by Tafar Clemens. And you could see his amazing uh, fashions, which was uh, shown in Paris, France in 2019. They went into the culture, the community, the craftsmanship, which was in the innovation. Africa is also leading in the charge in setting sustainable standards and the operations of industries involved in supply raw materials. And I love that. Uh, Mohair, South Africa oversees a strict ad ethical and sustainable practices among its members. That's impressive to me because I want fashion to look in the future with sustainable use and source and products and more organic uses and we don't want to hurt our environment so we want to use more organic material and and innovation so i was impressed reading about that then they went on to luxury of the future a market shift in values are aligned with the orthodox world of luxury and being it's uh, meaningful in the flux of manifesting and novel forms um, African textiles have evolved, bringing a light, vulnerable, dynamic luxury heritage. So then it went into chapter three, which was the new wave of talent. And they're bringing us the boo-boo dresses, the feathered collars. Uh, you can enjoy the from Tony Africa coat from Muso Maxwell. Oh, it was so impressive. The chiffon print shirts and collection from Alja Joe. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, it's like a complex design, but it was very nice. Um, there's the leather handbags, uh, the exotic skin bags by Zaja Du. Uh, it was, they were cute. Um, I love the uh, Yata earrings and the Mang Young collection by Jamani. I mean, it's just just so rich. The outfits just are so impressive. There was a collection by David Talley. Uh, then you see the unisex woven felt hats. The felt hats are so... When I go to Africa, I'm definitely going to get me a felt hat. I'm going to bring it back and show you guys. Now, Cape Town-based designer 
It's Lupulano Mendingi. And oh gosh, the brand label is create pieces that are timelessly elegant. Uh, craft modern design. The, it's just so beautiful. And I think I showed you a picture, one of, the, of his fabrics. He's so classy and impressive. Um, then you've got Adele D. Jack. Um, she, her, you know, she, her jewelry conveys status and embodies a symbolism of just heritage and culture. Uh, it's just the philosophy of her jewelry just goes back to the past and now it's luxury for the future. Uh, the book kept on going to Thebe. Uh, Thebe's Magoni's journey in fashion has been eventful. In 2019, his installation at the International Fashion Showcase in London titled Donning won the top prize. So you've got to see this. It, oh gosh, it's so impressive. It's, you know, luxury, African luxury, crash intersects with European notions of luxury. Even though people often misses the associations because it's idea of skill of taking time with the process, what makes them different is how the manner in which European luxury is harnessed and promoted. So you have to look at the different designs and how they're constantly evolving. Kat Van Duen is a nice person who do uh, leather bags and um, the, uh, she also does, they're exotic. So the skin is unique and it's peculiar. So you'll love uh, the bags. There's Puel Vegabon. Uh, culture is a center of, the, she, the designs are nodding techniques and she does uh, the bobo where the dyes are specialized for traditional work. Oh, this piece that I'm looking at now is so beautiful. It's the print and the garments. Oh gosh, it's a storytelling look of luxury. I'm impressed with T.L. Vegabond. Um, I hope one day to be an owner of one of her pieces because it's very impressive. And then it went into the men designs uh, the, by Tokyo James. It, it, Tokyo James is just he is a goat when it comes to designs. A pure goat. Just impressive in every meaning of fashion. Then uh, the book kept on going, showing different action, different designers show their craft. Taibo Bakar, you know, uh, Africa, Egypt, Arabia. Uh, I'm looking at a black shirt dress from the Safari collection. Beautiful. I, I would love to lay one of these pieces in my closet. I just, I wanted to hang there or just lay there. Joanna Bramble and all her amazing designs and her weaving. Um, and then last, I'm going to talk about Tangoro Studio. The cotton t-shirts from menswear range, mogul and zebra print jumpsuits. It's, it's just so amazing. It reads like this. In 2020, the brand launched a line of home products as part of its organic progression towards becoming a lifestyle brand. The, they, they're, she launched, well, they talked about Sarah Dioff wears many hats playing roles and photographer, editor. Um, she launched the Made in Africa campaign in 2021. 
and so much more. So I'm going to end it on that note. Thank you for joining me tonight while I navigated through African fashion, luxury craft, and textile heritage. I hope you enjoyed it and you learned something from it. Hopefully you'll pick up the book yourself and you will really enjoy it. Until next time, enjoy your evening. Have a great time wherever you are. Thanks again.